On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and movie DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond. I'm Brian Zemrak. I'm the host of this podcast. We've got a lot of things coming your way. We're going to have a lot of fun, I hope. And coming up in future episodes of uh, On Screen and Beyond, we're going to be having some surveys. And the first survey, we'd like to have you go to the website for each episode. Hopefully, we'll have a different survey up there for you to look at and uh, vote on and see what you think. Um, but uh, the first survey, if you go to our website, onscreenandbeyond.com, the uh, question is, do you think Hollywood should be remaking classic films such as The Day the Earth Stood Still and The Wolfman or some of the other ones they've already made like uh, uh, War of the Worlds or any of those others? And do you think they should be making those? And you can answer, yes, I like the updated versions, or you can say, no, they just ruin them. So whichever you feel, that's what we'd like to know. And go on there and just vote, and you get a chance to see what uh, the outcome is. But also, I'll give you the information of uh, what the total count was on the next episode, episode two, or three or four as we go along. So that's what uh, one of the things that we want you to look at uh, on our website, and you can download our other podcasts and things right there. Speaking of the survey, which is, has to do with remakes, uh, we're going into Remake Madness. Please hang up and try again. All right, well, Hollywood seems to be on a 50s and 60s classic sci-fi remake kick. Look for Universal to bring us the thing in 2009, remember that one? It was uh, the original was in the 50s with James Arness, and he was the creature and all that sort of stuff. And then they remade it in the 80s, I think it was. And uh, but they're remaking that again. It's going to come out in 2009. Then we have the Wolfman, which was uh, done a couple of times, I think, back uh, in the early days. And, uh, this time it'll be in 2008. Anthony Hopkins is the one who's going to be doing the, the lead on that. Also. Keanu Reeves is going to take a turn as Klaatu in the remake of 1951's The Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, it's a great movie, the original. Uh, hopefully they'll do a good job with the remake of it. Look for a remake of 1966 Fantastic Voyage coming our way. It's a movie that took a group of scientists, shrunk them down, and put them into a dying diplomat's body trying to save him. And the remake is heading for theaters in 2010. Uh, 1968 gave us Jane Fonda as Barbarella, remember that one? And the new version is heading our way 40 years later in 2008. And I doubt very much if Jane Fonda is going to be playing the title role this time around. But, uh, who knows? In 1972, the tagline was, To avoid feigning, keep repeating, it's only a movie, it's only a movie. And that was uh, what they wanted to say when you were watching The Last House on the Left back in 1972. It was a Wes Craven movie. 2008 is the projected return of a remake of it. The original starred David Hess and uh, also had Martin Cove in it. And uh, in a future podcast, a couple of the podcasts we'll be having, will feature interviews with both of those stars. So keep, keep looking for those. And let's see, who else here? John Carpenter gave us Kurt Russell as Snake Pliska back in 1981 in Escape from New York. And now you can look for a remake of that to hit theaters in 2009. This time around, Gerard Butler will play the lead in uh, the remake. 
And finally, in Remake Madness, I scream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. That's right, an indie horror flick from 1997 is being remade. The film is being wrapped up right now and look for a release in 2008. And that's it from Remake Madness. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now we're going into the rumor mill, and uh, these are the up-and-coming releases. On December 14th of this year, Jason Lee takes on Elvin and the Chipmunks. It's a mixture of live action and CGI animation, and uh, Elvin and the Chipmunks are going to be coming your way with that. Uh, Jason, I presume da Jason is going to be playing uh, uh, David, uh, not one of the Chipmunks. And then in December 21st, Nicolas Cage returns in National Treasure, The Book of Secrets. All right, that was a good movie the first time around. Hopefully this one's going to be a good one. January 25th, 2008, look for Stallone as he returns as John Rambo, which is, in quotes, Rambo 4. And March 18th, 2008, Jim Carrey lee, uh, lends his voice to Horton Hears the Who. It's a computer-animated movie, Dr. Seuss's uh, famous story. Uh, Jim Carrey, second time around, doing a Dr. Seuss movie. May 9th, 2008, a movie adaptation of the classic cartoon Speed Racer hits theaters. May 22nd, 2008, this is it. He's back. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls comes your way. May 30th, 2008, fans of Sex and the City will finally get their wishes as the movie version of the TV show is released. And finally, on June 20th, 2008, would you believe, Get Smart, starring Steve Carell. It hits theaters as he takes on chaos in the movie version of the 60s TV spy comedy classic. And that's it for Up and Coming. Everything you're going to hear is supposedly going to be made, uh, but you never know at any time. These movies could be uh, stopped. They could change the date. They could change the cash. They could change the crew. The movie could be shelved, whatever. But uh, this is something to look out for. But right now, Wild Hogs 2 is coming your way in 2010. And Steve Martin returns as Inspector Clouseau in The Next Pink Panther. And Transformer 2. Of course, Transformer 1 was a big hit, so they're going to do Transformer 2. Uh, it's been announced, uh, but there's no release date on that yet. High School Musical 3, Gradu Dancing is what it's called, with the original cast once again returning. Projected release is 2008. And in the animation front, look for Ice Age 3 in 2009, Madagascar 2 in 2008, And Shrek 4 
in 2010. And finally, Robin Williams is reportedly going to return in Mrs. Doubtfire 2 with a possible release in 2008. And that's it for Sequel City right now. Okay, up-and-coming TV DVD releases. Let's see, the spring of 2008 is going to be bringing us The Love Boat with Captain Steubing, Doc, Isaac, Gopher, and Julie, the whole crew. They're going to be coming away. The original one, okay? That's the original Love Boat. And uh, Mod Squad on December 18th of this year, Season 1, Volume 1. It's a four-disc set, 13 episodes, Pete, Link, Julie, the whole gang, Undercover Cops, 70s Police Drama. And let's see, also on November 20th is the projected release of Love American Style, Season 1, Volume 1. Okay, they're sort of cutting these seasons up because they were so large. And one of the biggest TV releases that they've got coming up is The Man from Uncle. It's an exclusive Time Life release, similar to what they did with um, Get Smart. Okay, that's the only place you can get it legally. Um, but that's where it is, Time Life. Okay, and I guess I'm not sure, but after a year, I think they're going to release it to other people. Can be releasing it to other other companies. But um, what they did was uh, they got exclusive rights to that. There's going to be two versions for this. They're going to have season one. 29 episodes on 11 discs, and including the original pilot that was uh, never seen on network TV. Okay, or you can buy it the complete series, 105 episodes, and they're on 39 DVDs. All right, I don't know what it's going to cost, but I'm sure it's going to be quite expensive. But uh, that's going to be a big one. So watch out for that. The Man from Uncle with Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kuliakin and the whole gang. That's about it for TV DVD releases. Upcoming movie releases on DVD will be October 30th. Look for Spider-Man 3. Also, in December, look for Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Ratatouille will come out on November 6th. Shrek the Third will be coming out on uh, November 13th. And another big one that uh, a lot of people are looking forward to is The Beatles' Help is going to be coming out on October 30th. All right, so that's one that hasn't been released on DVD. Um, I know you can get some bootlegs and things like that out there, but uh, for the really good, crisp-looking version of it, that's the one you're going to want. The Beatles' Help coming out October 30th. And that's about it right now. So we'll be back in just a minute with the interview with Mickey Jones. Now, Mickey, if, uh, if you don't know him right off, you, if you see him, uh, you should be able to know who he is. He's been in a lot of movies. He was the drummer for uh, Bob Dylan, and uh, he was for Kenny Rogers in the first edition. He was with Trinity Lopez, and uh, it's a great guy, very interesting to talk to, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy his interview uh, and he really talks about his life and everything that he's doing, and he's a very, very talented person. So uh, stick around for that. That's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. My 
My guest today on On Screen and Beyond is Mickey Jones. And Mickey, the first part of the interview, I'd like to uh, do a little bit about your musical history because Absolutely. you've done so much there. I look back on my career and I've done everything I've wanted to do in life. I've made my living doing what I've wanted to do my whole life. And not a lot of people can say that. I've had two completely distinctly separate careers. I spent 23 years in the music business. I was a drummer eight years with a guy named Trini Lopez, and then Johnny Rivers for three years, and then Bob Dylan for two years. I was the original drummer with a group called The Band, and then Kenny Rogers, 10 years. We had a group together called The First Edition, and I look back on those years of my life. I wouldn't trade them for the world. I've got 17 gold and platinum albums on the wall. Wow. Which is pretty impressive until you go to Graceland in Memphis and you see 150 on the wall at Elvis's house. But still, you walk in the house and there's 17 gold and platinum on the wall. It, it gets your attention. Yes, that's and for sure. And I just reached a point that I had to get off the road. I was on an airplane seven days a week, ten months out of the year. And it ceased to become fun. And I'm a guy that believes when something ceases to become fun, it's time to move on to something else. Mm -hmm. I had always dreamed of being an actor since I was probably eight years old. I can remember going to the movie with my dad, and I would look up on the screen and wonder, how do you get to do that? You know, because I, I think every kid, if you ask them, they've all gone to the movie and said, boy, I'd like to do that. And, and it's fun, because it looks like fun, and it is fun. I found myself watching the bad guys. I thought the bad guys were having more fun than the good guys. They had all the best bombs, all the best guns, the best cars, everything. And I said, man, that's the way to make a living, being the bad guy. And I find it interesting that at this stage of my life, I can look at kids, which I, I talk to kids in school all the time, and I tell them I am living proof that you can do or be anything you want to be if you're willing to put out the work it takes. I make my living today playing those bad guys what I dreamed about doing when I was eight years old. And you know what? A lot of people cannot say that mm -hmm. about their life. So I am the luckiest guy I know. I tried growing up. It never worked out. So I still <laughs> remain a large child. I know. I, the other night, we happened to eat lunch mm, together at, absolutely. Uh, at the Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, we hit all the high spots. In yeah. <laughs> and um, you were saying that uh, you, you worked with the Beatles, too? With yeah. The, uh, in 1964, uh, before the Beatles ever came to the United States, uh, I was with Trini Lopez. We worked a, a big, beautiful theater. Uh, of the old classic theatrics uh, in Paris called the Olympia Theater and we worked for eight weeks with the Beatles every day every night we were hanging out during the day and doing our shows at night and I have a great picture on my wall at home that will be that's in my book that's coming out in May oh you're coming up with a book uh, my book is called that would be me it'll be out in May and there's a great photograph of me in the middle with my arm around the Beatles People walk in and they go, wow, you got your picture taken with the Beatles. I said, well, actually, that picture was taken for the Beatles. I was walking in the artist entrance one night at the Olympia Theater in Paris. Ringo stuck his head out and said, uh, Mickey, could we take a picture with you? I said, sure. So we gathered around and took a photo. And one, the photographer gave me one of the photos. And so, therefore, that picture was actually taken for the Beatles. And then they said, could you, would you sign a picture? So I'm signing four different pictures, one for each of the Beatles. Unbeknownst to me, they're passing one of their photos around, signing it to me. 
So I just sold that photograph on eBay for $8,000. Wow. I have a copy, and it's in the book. And uh, it's where each one of them, and the reason it went for so much, George Harrison was still alive mm-hmm. uh, when I sold it. But uh, they each wrote my name. They each wrote a personal message, and they each signed it. So kind of cool. And, oh, yeah. you know, I had the original laying around for 30 years. I never put it in a frame or anything. So then when uh, a friend of mine said, that's worth some dough, I said, well, let's see. Well, when it got up to $8,000, I said, yeah, let's sell it. So I scanned it, made a copy for myself. So I've got a copy of it, and now I actually have the copy in a frame. <laughs> so go figure. After all these years. Yeah. Huh. Now, when you were with Dylan during, I know it's in your documentary, and I right. didn't get a chance to see it. Oh, you have to see I, this. I know. I, 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 there will I'm be a quiz into later. Music, so. <laughs> but how was it? That was, there was, wasn't there a big ruckus about Dylan changing oh, you know, over? Oh, you only knew. So we did you got, get a lot of? <laughs> we got booed off of the stage everywhere we went. This was 1966. It was the very first Bob Dylan Electric World Tour. And because Bob had uh, the distinction of being the acoustic icon in, of the world, really, right. oh, yeah. when he picked up his electric guitar, he was booed everywhere. Consequently, we were booed everywhere. And uh, we knew we were great, making great music, but... The fans wanted Bob Dylan, the folk singer, not Bob Dylan, the rock and roller. And the fact is, Bob Dylan was doing what Bob Dylan wanted to do. He would go out and do the acoustic set and be pretty bored. And he would come back to the dressing room and he could not wait to get out there. He'd strap that black Telecaster on and he couldn't wait to get out there and rock and roll. Hmm. And, uh, And he's been doing it ever since. So... It was. Rolling Stone in 69 did an interview with Bob, and they called our tour the greatest rock and roll tour in history, and it changed the face of American music all over the world from Americans. And uh, I'm proud to have been part of that tour and part of the Bob Dylan revolution, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So it was pretty dang cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, the, the in your documentary, um, those are all home movies that you took? Yeah, it's funny. I always, I always took my little home movie camera everywhere I went. And basically the reason I took it was so that when I came home, I could show my family where all we went. Because I went around I went around the world 40 times. Wow. And my, my none of my family has been overseas or any of that. So, <coughs> pardon me. But uh, those films were taken so I could show my family where all we went as we did our world tour. And then I uh, showed him to a friend of mine who's a Bob Dylan recreator. He looks like Bob. He sounds mm-hmm. like Bob. Yeah. He got so excited over this. He said, we need to make a movie out of this. He said, because Bob Dylan fans are starved for anything Bob. Because he doesn't release stuff too much anymore. Mm-hmm. So anything that has to do with Bob, they want it. And uh, since the documentary has come out, I've received... About 99% plus of the emails I get are saying thank you for sharing something personal that we would never have seen otherwise. Right. I mean, that's a piece and of history. That, yeah, it that is a piece of history. Just nobody was covering. <laughs> and uh, every now and then I'll get somebody that, that will say to me, how dare you do this about Bob Dylan? But 
Bob knew I did it. Bob granted me a sync license to use 10 of his songs. Yeah. So uh, Bob was on board with it. So it was a good thing. Okay, we're still talking with Mickey Jones about his musical career, and we could go on forever, I'm sure, but uh, I know you're... That's my problem, it, Brian, is I start talking, and I sometimes don't know when to shut no, up. No, no, I, I wish we could, but I know you're you're leaving to go to a function, so I, I don't want to... In just a little bit, yeah, because yeah. we're here, as you know, we're here at the California Independent Film Festival, and we screened our film last night called Simple Things, and Great within the Slate Awards for the... The film festival. We're up. We have seven nominations. Wow. So we're going to head out to a reception for all the folks that are within the the judging of the film festival, and then tonight we'll know if we want anything. So and Good luck my, on that. my friend Big Mike Griffin's film here, Iron City, is in the documentary category. So we're hoping he'll win best documentary, because I I just love love that film, and I really I really. One of the things I think I really want to say is I hope people, when they see in their area or even anywhere close by, there's going to be a film festival, they need to go. They need to get involved, spend the weekend looking at some films, some student films, some short films, some documentaries that you will never, ever have an opportunity to see anywhere because 99% of these films will not get distribution. They won't be in a theater. They probably will never be on HBO or Showtime. And you don't know what you're missing. Mm, that's uh, true. I, I happen to be a big fan of independent films. Uh, as corny as this may sound, I think the best product that we as filmmakers are making today are the small independent films. I am so sick of hundred million dollar movies with nothing but machine guns and car crashes yep. you know our little film simple things is about people it's character driven it's truly you get to see what makes people tick and uh, you know I, that's awful sweet of you to say that I, I happen to be very proud of this movie because I'm guilty of of what I'm complaining about now. I've done those hundred million dollar movies. I usually cut two or three people's throat before I blow the place up. And in Simple Things, I got to play a real person, the town drunk, who has an epiphany in the film when he helps deliver a newborn baby. And he realizes that life is pretty special, turns his life around. So I get to do a 180 degree turn and generally speaking, I don't do that. I'm usually the bad guy, and at the end, I get blown away. And to get to play this role was just the icing on the cake for me. And so that's why I, I am so wholeheartedly recommending people to go see the film festivals, be a part of it. Because one of the cool things that happens at festivals, if, if, if you're somebody's listening that has never been to a film festival, Generally speaking, the cast is there, the director is there. It's a chance for you to meet with the cast after the film, do some questions and answers, and and they'll give you an insight not only to their film, but to what filmmaking is about. And if you care about 
the genre of films, you owe it to yourself to get involved in film festivals. I, I did it a couple years ago, and now I'm hooked on film festivals and independent films. So I, uh, I really think it's important that people get involved. And I've never spoken to anyone who's been spent the weekend at the film festival that didn't say, man, we are so glad we came. So uh, Now, did they hook you with the, the golf tournament the first time you came? Yeah, Is the first time I came, I was actually the host of the golf tournament. Yep. And I'm a golfaholic, so I love to play golf. And But then they didn't do it last year. They did the uh, Texas Hold'em tournament. Focus so on. that's what we did this year. And I had a blast doing that. And I actually, for a guy that doesn't know what he's doing, <laughs> I actually did pretty good. I made it to the last table. I had about, I was up about 15,000. And then I got in a, to the table with a bunch of mad dog killers, I guess, because <laughs> I couldn't get a card worth even staying in the game. But if I got one ace or one king, I thought maybe I could pair up or, you know. So I, But it was 1500 to buy in. And I'm going, God, this is getting expensive here. So I got, uh, I got beat out toward uh, the end of the thing. But as far as the celebrities go, I think I was probably like third, maybe. That's but... But I had no money, so. But it, you know what? It was a great day, and it was a great opportunity. We had a lot of celebrities there, and it was a great opportunity for the public, who comes to buy into the poker tournament, to play with some celebrities. Except their complaint was, "Well, you're an actor. How do I know if you're acting or or, or, or bluffing or what?" So, yeah. I, I just told them right up front at my table, "If I'm in the game, believe me, I got something in the hole." So. So uh, it, it was fun. We had a great time. I think the public who got involved had a great time. And it makes for a very nice weekend for the public because all of the actors and the directors, the people involved, are accessible to the public. Yeah. You know, that's one of the reasons we're here. It's fun for us to get to meet the people who get to like to go to our movies. So, I mean, it's definitely a two-way street when you come to a festival. And... Uh, I can say honestly that I am so glad I got involved, and believe me, if the public out there who's never done it gets involved one time, you'll be involved from now on. Now you spoke about your, uh, we've spoken about the music, you, you're writing a book, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, my book is actually coming out in May, and it's about all my years in the music business. Yeah. A lot of photos with Trini Lopez, Johnny Rivers, Bob Dylan, Kenny Rogers, first edition, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it because I say in the forward that I will not impede the integrity of anyone, but I'm not going to tell a falsehood. You're going to hear the truth about what went on with me in the music business. And I spent the years with Trini. We were around Frank Sinatra every day and, and all his people and a lot of mob people we got to meet along the way. So it's a pretty interesting read, and uh, actually, it's about the third time I've read it doing corrections. I'm kind of bored with it now, but I'm hoping that people will check out the book. It's called That Would Be Me, and at my website, which is mickeyjones.com, be all the information on how to order it. Plus, it'll be available at Amazon.com and all yeah. those places, but uh, I'm pretty excited about the book coming out. I can now tell everybody I'm an author. <laughs> Now, and you were also on Home Improvement. I did Home and you, Improvement. You've been on a lot of TV shows and movies. Yeah, I did Home Improvement for eight years as a recurring character. My name on the show was Pete Bilker, K&B Construction. We come on and give Tim all the hot tips out on the job site. And I have to say, that's probably the most 
fun eight years of my life was doing home improvement because I would go to work every day. At the end of the day, I would go home and my side would be killing me just from laughing all day. So how many people do you know that get to go to work and just laugh all day? And that was our job. So uh, God bless Tim Allen. I love him to death and we're still friends today. And I just... Uh, I, I adore the eight years on home improvement. We put Seinfeld off the air. That was our contribution to the public. When they announced Tim's new salary for his last season, he was getting $250,000 more than Seinfeld was getting. Seinfeld was working all week, and Tim was working four days. Wow. And, uh, and then about two hours after they, they announced that press conference, Seinfeld had a press conference, so, well, this is our last season. So... Uh, now, um, just one more thing before I, I know you're in a hurry. I don't want to hold you up. But tell us about your most famous commercial, the one you were telling me about the other yeah, day. Yeah, I, I, I'm the luckiest guy in the world when it comes to that because I did a commercial for Breath Savers where I played this big biker on the subway with the little old lady for Breath Savers. And it ran for six years. And my residuals, it was a one-day job. We shot it in one day. We actually, I, I did one day of travel and wardrobe. We shot it the next day, and then I went home. In San Francisco, we shot it. And it probably, over the six years, with residuals, I made close to right around three-quarters of a million dollars. Wow. So I, I would rather be lucky than good. And when I think about that, I wish every actor could experience that because what it does is it gives you the financial freedom to sometimes say no to a project and you know when we're young actors trying to get a job we don't say no to anything yes we'll do it you know no matter what it is we'll do it yeah I'll do it and sometimes as your integrity gets a little more uh, critical you would like to say no to a project or when you have a commercial that's making that kind of income it's easy to say no. So um, I'm thankful for that because I think it put me on uh, better paths along the way. And when you think about that it was a one-day job and you made three-quarters of a million dollars in residuals, all I can say is, is this a great country or what? <laughs> My wife and I would be sitting on the couch and we'd see it five times on Dateline and four times on Primetime Live and we'd see it five times on Leno. And I'd look over at my wife every time it would come on, I'd go, ka-ching. So, uh, like I said, I'd rather be lucky than good, man. Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak to us, and uh, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. I have had a wonderful time, and I appreciate you driving me around and introducing <laughs> me and doing everything you did for me, because it's been a great weekend. And uh, It's been fun. I know you'll be back, and unless I'm working, I'll be back. Great. So, hopefully we'll see you then, Brian. Good. Thank, thank you, man. Well, that just about does it for the first episode of On Screen and Beyond. And I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, gave you some information about what uh, is upcoming for movies and everything. And, uh, of course, the Mickey Jones interview. Uh, Mickey's a great guy. He's uh, very interesting. If you ever get to go to a film festival and Mickey's there, be sure to go because uh, he's a very approachable person. You can talk with him, and he's a nice guy. And uh, our next episode, we've made it through episode number one. Our next episode will be coming up shortly, and uh, I hope to have that uh, put out pretty soon. 
and uh, it'll have an, some more interesting people. Like I said, we've got a lot of uh, people who I've had a chance to interview and talk with, and it's a wide spectrum of different parts of the entertainment industry. I've got some comedians, a Golden Globe winner, uh, Academy Award nominee, and uh, the David Hess interview is quite interesting. Uh, you'd be surprised what, uh, you know, like I said, he was in the movie Last House on the Left, but uh, he's uh, there's some other things he's been been doing over the years and it's quite interesting i found out some interesting stuff and uh, he's quite a guy too so anyways that's about it that wraps up our first episode of on screen and beyond take care (laughs) 